Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Could you stand up with me all over the building? Jesus, it is you who can take a broken vessel like me and make it into something. Who can take your wrongs and make them right? Jesus, it is you. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Jesus, it is you. Oh, thank you, God. Whew. I had heard that that song broke loose in worship during their practice, and I can see why. Jesus, it is you. It's something about it when you start speaking that name and proclaiming the power in that name and proclaiming the life that he gives you, you can't help but be moved. Mm, Jesus, it is you. Jesus, it is you. While you're standing, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 16. I'm only reading a portion of it, and he's got it on the screen. Turn to it in your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, your eyelids. You can look at the screen. Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Everybody say, we rise. rise. Y'all sounded good. Let's pray and go before the Lord. Thank you, God, for this time together. Lord, thank you for the worship that we have experienced in this place today. God, I pray that your anointing would continue. I pray that... Nobody would hear the words that I have to say, but God, they would hear words that you have to say. Pray that you would prepare my heart and my mind to give the message that you've given me. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. Lord, that we would be challenged, that we would be convicted, that we would be changed when we go out of this place today. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And I had mentioned that I'm not Pastor Al Sims. I am Howie Owens. And, <laughs> and I feel sorry for y'all. For those of you who are guests, I probably should have said that earlier when I was doing the Welcome Home Breakfast announcement. For those of you who are guests, stick around, come another week, and then you'll see what it's really like. Okay? <laughs> Do me that favor. Don't hear me and say, I ain't listening to that little blonde-headed boy no more. Actually, I'm told that I don't look like a boy anymore. I used to go by the blonde-headed boy, but now I've heard that I look old. (laughs) Julia was even going to one of those lotion parties, and she said, you know, I could get something that would help you for those things in the side of your eyes. (laughs) I love you, babe. (laughs) But... Please give us another shot. Don't just come one time. Come again next week, and then the next week, and then the next week. And get a taste of the Bethesda family. We are one big old family that loves Jesus. Amen. We're here to win people to Christ, train believers to be disciples, and send them outside these four walls. We believe ministry happens here, but real ministry happens outside these four walls. We get fed here, and then we take it to all the places of life. All right, I'll get off my side track. Today, I I open with Proverbs. Um, 
For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But I'm actually going to be talking from a story in Judges. And I'm going to be through Judges chapter 16, most of it. Uh, and I'll refer to it when I need it, but not yet. But thank you. How about my man Roger back there? He's always on the spot. <laughs> I emailed and text messaged him this morning just prior to service to give him these verses, and he already has everything lined up and ready to roll, just like it was planned to be that way. You go, Roger. Thank you. But I'm going to be coming from Judges chapter 16, and I want to fast forward really to the end of that story, but I want to do a quick summary to, to lead us there. And uh, for those of you who were at the men's night out that we had some time ago, Brother Cecil, who heads up our men's ministry and does a fantastic job, I shared this with them. So all of you men who were there and some of you ladies who were serving, I would ask that this morning you get amnesia. And you just forget that you heard it and you listen to it with fresh new ears this morning once more. And hopefully it'll challenge you again. But today we're looking at one of the most frustrating men in the Bible. It's a brother by the name of Samson. Samson was a guy who was given so much by God from birth. Samson was actually called by God. He was set apart by God. He was empowered with supernatural strength from God to fulfill God's calling on his life, which was to help deliver the Israelites from the oppressive hands of the Philistines. And even though he was given all of this power and this divine calling, he, like so many of us, messed up again. And again, and again, and again. Well, you get the picture. You could say that he was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And again and again, he broke his vows to God, chasing after the wrong women, touching things he wasn't supposed to touch, drinking things he wasn't supposed to drink, and getting a really bad haircut when the brother was never supposed to get his hair cut. And you could also look at his emotions and recognize that he was very emotion-driven and not spirit-led. That's a problem a lot of us suffer from. And when I say us, I'm talking about myself too. Our emotions get out of control and we end up letting them drive us rather than letting the Spirit of the Lord lead us. Through the life of Samson, we can find that most people don't ruin their lives all at once. They ruin them one step at a time. One bad decision after another bad decision leads to another bad decision. And so we're going to see this guy who was given so much, just like many of us here today, blew it big time. We're going to pick up in the story when he's supposed to be delivering God's people, but he's actually now a prisoner. And he's had his eyes gouged out and I was gonna go into the detail of what they do when they gouge out eyes but I wanted you to have your appetite when you left here for lunch it was nasty but he's a prisoner he's blind because he has no eyes he's in shackles and he's grinding so what that would have been doing is he's just he's attached like a ox and walking in circles grinding He's pushing this thing in circles while people are watching him. 
They're looking at him. They're calling him names, making fun of him. And so it, it just doesn't get any lower than where Samson is at this point in life. So his condition right now in the story, it raises the question, what do you do when you realize that you've blown it? What do we do when we realize that we've blown it? What do you do when you realize you've wasted the years that God has given you? You've wasted the gifts and the talents that he's given you. You've done some things that you can't undo. You're embarrassed by your actions. You've embarrassed your family by your actions. You've hurt people that you love and you didn't do what God created you to do. What do you do? And the problem for us, and as I said that when I first shared this, it was geared toward men, but I think this gears toward all walks of life. So I want to talk to men and women, but I also right now I just want to use an example that really kind of speaks to men. And I'm going to be using some very general assumptions and general opinions, so don't throw your Bible at me. But the problem with men a lot of times, and sometimes women, we take that kind of failure when we know that we've blown it and we can't undo what we did. We take that kind of failure very, very personal. Because unfortunately for a lot of men, we typically find our value based on our accomplishments, what we do. And like I said, I was gearing this message to men at that time, but it can go to the ladies as well. But here's some differences. Women typically, and as I said, these are general statements, general statements, because I'll be honest with you, sometimes with Julia and I, I have joked that I might be the lady in the relationship sometimes. I'd be over there crying and sobbing and all upset, and she's saying, suck it up. So I preface what I'm saying with, I might be like one of you girls sometimes. But women typically find value in relationships. Do you like me? Are we friends? Can we hug? Can we cry? Are we still BFFs? You didn't call me back two minutes later. You didn't text me back within five minutes. Are you mad at me? No, let's be friends. Everything's relational for ladies. Everything's relational, even going to the bathroom. Hey girl, I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, me too. You, 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 you. And before you know it, the whole crowd of ladies have gone to the bathroom together. Three hours later, they come back. You don't have a clue what happened. That's not the way men are. We like to be liked, but it's not everything to us. We get value really not as much from relationships, but from accomplishments. How did I measure up? Did I do good? Did I win? Can I win? We like to be liked, but it's not all about relationships. No guy is going to say, hey, Brother Cecil, I got to go to the bathroom. You want to come? <laughs> you might get punched. <laughs> Look here, when we see each other in the bathroom, you can't make eye contact. It's like, what's up, dog? <laughs> We're just different. If you do make eye contact in the bathroom and talking while you're uh, in the men's restroom, you might lose your man card. <laughs> For men, it's not so much, hey, do you like me? It's really, do you respect me? And so when we fail, we take it very personally and we feel like we can't recover from failure. And that's why, generally speaking, our greatest fear is failure and our greatest pain is regret. For most of us, our greatest fear 
is we don't want to fail. And while I was saying some of those jokes about men and women, uh, we all, none of us like to fail. And when we don't live up to the expectations of ourselves or the expectations that someone else has put upon us, typically our greatest pain is regret. I wish I could have. And ah, I should have done this. And I wish I would have done this. And why didn't I see that? See, Samson's story teaches us something that we have to embrace and we have to internalize and we've got to get it in our hearts and our minds and it's the principle that just because you failed at something does not mean that you are a failure. Because here's my first point. A failure is an event, never a person. A failure is an event, never a person. We're going to see in Samson's life a guy who failed over and over and over and over again. And then when it looks like he's failed way too much for God to even love him, much less use him, we're going to see a God who still accomplishes his purposes through a man who repeatedly couldn't get it right. I have good news. I'm here to tell somebody that just because you're down does not mean that you're out. If you failed at something, you are not a failure because failure is an event, never a person. Let's read in Judges chapter 16, verse 23. Here's what the Bible says. Now the rulers of the Philistines, the bad guys, they assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now, they would have been gathered in the temple, but for our understanding, and so you can get a picture of it, it was really more like a coliseum. So it's a big circular area with layers upon layers upon layers, and there were 3,000 people at this event, and they're worshiping Dagon. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked up what Dagon looks like, but Dagon was the god of harvest. And Dagon had a man head and a fish body. Now, ain't that the kind of God you want to serve? A man-fish God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I don't serve a man-fish God. A man's head and a fish body, that's crazy. I'm glad that I serve a God who's the lion and the lamb. He fights my enemies like a lion, but he treats me as I'm a lamb. He can be as fierce as he needs to be, but he is as loving as you'll ever, never be able to describe. In verse 24, when the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land. Now, earlier in Samson's story, you might have heard of this story. He tied up 300 foxes by the tail, put a torch to their tails, and let them run through their land, and burned up all their land. Samson was a bad mamma jamma. I wouldn't have wanted to be on his bad side. They're saying, hey, he's the guy who burned up all our land and multiplied our slain. You remember the jawbone incident? The pastor preached about it not too long ago on a Sunday night. Samson took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. So what they're saying is, this is the guy. That's him. We got him now. Verse 25, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Now, it doesn't get any lower than this. You picture how Samson feels. He is totally and completely 
100% totally and completely shamed in front of God's enemies. He has failed massively. Now, there are two responses to failure. There's the right response and the wrong response. The natural response is remorse. But the better and the more godly response is repentance. See, remorse says, I feel bad about what I did. I shouldn't have done it. I'm a bad person. Sometimes remorse will turn inward and you say, I'm horrible. I am no good. I don't even know why I exist. And it turns inward. But then sometimes remorse turns outward. And it's the, ah, I'm the victim here. It's somebody else's fault that I'm like this. Well, this wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have done this. In Samson's case, he could have said, shoot, this would, it's all Delilah's fault. That nagging woman, she come up in here looking all good and making me do the bad things. But there is a better response, and that is repentance. There's remorse, the natural response, but the better response is repentance. And that's, I own it. It's my fault. I blew it. But it's not just, hey, I didn't do what God entrusted me to do. It's, I'm turning away from that which I did wrong, and I'm turning toward that which is right. It's true repentance. Because most people don't ruin their lives, as we talked about earlier, all at once. They do it one step at a time. And if you're going in the wrong direction, what do you do? Turn around. Turn around. I knew I could expect Nancy to say, turn around. Thank you, Nancy. I'm not giving y'all any reasons to amen a whole lot. Y'all are quiet this morning. It's going to take me a long time to get 100 pages with y'all being so quiet. <laughs> I heard a very loud amen. Thank you, Brother Leif. <laughs> Most people don't ruin their lives all at once. They do it one step at a time. You see, you, you could be on the straight and narrow, but then color outside the lines just a little bit. Well, this time it won't matter that much. I can miss church this one Sunday because, you know, it's, it's all right. Then before you know it, the next Sunday and the next Sunday or whatever the case is, and before you know it, you are lost. It happens one bad decision after another. But see... Repentance is not like, remorse focuses on the bad. It looks bad, back to all the things that you did in your past. It looks at all the things that you did wrong, but repentance turns from the lower to that which is higher. Right? You turn away all those bad things. We turn from our lower sinful ways and back to God's higher ways. It's not just I feel bad about this, but it's I'm turning completely to God to let Him redeem me into His divine purposes for my life. You see, all of us, we're going to do some things that we can't undo. You ever been in that situation? Well, shoot, I have messed up and I can't undo it. That's right. You want to come up here and preach my sermon? She's getting into my next points. Don't be giving my stuff away. I'm just kidding. But I shared this example with the guys, and I'm just going to go ahead and share it with the church. Is that all right, Julia? I was talking about some things she don't know what I'm going to say. I was talking about some things you just can't undo. 
And I was away on a business trip for a few days, so I was away from Julia and the kids and the family, and I was missing them like crazy. And it was the day uh, that I was coming back, and I was FaceTiming because I had missed Sims' t-ball party to get his trophy. You know, that's just, it hurts when you miss that type of stuff, but Julia was kind enough to FaceTime so I could watch through technology. And uh, later on, we had, a, we had to go into a, a meeting, and I was thinking about how pretty that girl looked. I said, man, I can't wait to get home to see her. So, for those of you who are married, you need to keep things spicy, okay? <laughs> so, what I did was I said, I'm going to send that girl a text and say, I can't wait to get home to see you. Y'all can use your imaginations, but I, um, as soon as I sent it, I looked at it, and it was, I sent a video to our parents every morning of Sims saying good morning to everybody, and as soon as I sent it, I sent it to our pastor, who's also my father-in-law, and his wife, and I sent it to my mom and dad, and to Julia. I at least got one person that it was supposed to go to. So I sent it and said, oh, shoot. Oh, man. Ain't that some stuff. I was embarrassed. For those of you who know me, it takes a lot to embarrass me. But my face got red and I, I called. Did I call you or text you? I can't remember what I did, but I said, Julia, I sent that to our parents. Now, I'm just going to say it wasn't anything lewd. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was, girl, I can't wait to get home and see you. And, you know, you know. I love my wife, and I missed her while I was gone. Guys, let that be a lesson to you. If you're away, send a spicy text message. <laughs> but let me get back to my sermon. I said all that to say this, you can't undo some things. Once I sent that text, that joker was out there. I couldn't figure out how to get it back. It was already done. By that time, I had already received texts back from our parents saying, woo-wee. <laughs> What's done is done. I couldn't undo it. See, here's the deal. There are some things that you just can't undo. You can't unsin. And in, in that case, you can't unsend. But you can repent. Some of you are going to come to the horrible realization that you can't unsleep with the person that you slept with. But you can repent. You can't undo the bad business deal that you did, but you can repent. You can't unsay what you said. You can't undo what you did. You can't unlook at what you looked at when you shouldn't have been looking. But you can repent. You can't unsin, but you can repent. For the record, if you're ever texting in a group, you can't unsend. Be careful when you're sending love messages to your wife. You can't undo some things, but you can repent. And I believe that Samson, he comes to this point in his life where he remembers who he was created to be. 
I think Samson said, you know what? I wasn't created to be entertainment to the enemies. I was created and set apart by God to do something significant. All of you here today were set apart by God to do something significant. And it's my prayer. Hallelujah. Give him a praise. It's my prayer that somewhere along in this message, you'll remember who you were created to be. You were created to honor and glorify God who gave you the life that you have. Be who you were created to be. Don't let your spiritual enemy lure you into remorse and looking back into the things of your past. But instead of remorseful feelings, you turn to repentance that says, I'm not going to let what I did stop me from what God wants me to do. See, I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning toward God. I can't change my past. You can't change your past, but you can change your future. That's the good news. Can't change your past, it's over. But you can change your future. Just because you're down, you're not out. Don't internalize failure. You're not what you did. Somebody needs to hear that. You're not what you did. You are who God says you are. And if you're in Christ, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're new. Your sin is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let your past mistakes define your future opportunities. Watch as Samson realizes this in verse 25, the end of it. It says, when they stood him among the pillars. Then Samson in verse 26 said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I can lean against them. I'm going to skip to verse 28. It's part of light. Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me. He said, oh God, please strengthen me just once more. He says, please strengthen me just once more. In other words, I've blown it a thousand times, but I don't need a thousand more chances. I've blown it too many times to count, but I don't need multiple opportunities. God, all I need from you is one more chance. One time, God, just find it in your mercy to give me your strength just once more. What is Samson? At this point, Samson is broken. It's no longer about him. It's all about God. I believe with all of my heart that he stepped across some kind of a spiritual line where he's saying, for the first time in my life, it's no longer about me. It's about God. It's always been about me, but now I'm stepping across this spiritual line. And from this moment forward, whatever I have left, I'm going to give it all to God who gave me all that I have. That's the once more. For the rest of my life, I'm never the same. That's the once more. Everything in me is different. It's no longer about me. God, it's all about you. Here he is. Here Samson is. He's at his lowest point. 
He's at his lowest point. Massive public humiliation. Nobody believes that there's anything good in this guy. And internally, he has a private moment with God. Just as some of you will have just one more time, God. Just one more time, God. One more time. One more chance. You give me your strength. And I will use the rest of my life to leverage what you gave me for your glory and for your goodness. When a man is down, he is not out. When a person is down, he is, she is not out. He or she is not out. Listen to this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. Doesn't that feel good? It kind of takes off some of the pressure. Even in my failures, God can still accomplish his purpose. That's good news. Even in our failures, God still accomplishes his purpose. What was God's purpose for Samson's life? That he would help to start to deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. And in verse 29, it says, Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Verse 30 says, Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Folks, it's never too late to do what God has called you to do. You might be down, but you're not out. He pushed the pillars with all of his might. Everything came crumbling down, and he destroyed more of God's enemies in his death than he did all of his years living. It goes to show you that even in your failures, God can still use you. God can still use you. Even though you've messed up, it's not over yet. If you're not dead, you're not done. There's more in you. Quit living in the remorse of your past. If you're a Christian, you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in you. You may be down, but you're not out. You be a man of God. You be a woman of God. Our God is not finished with you yet. So here's the thing, and I'm coming to a close. I know what time it is. For some of you here tonight, I mean today, it's time for you to push some pillars down. It's time to push some pillars down. Are you ready? I want you to take an inventory of yourself as I'm speaking. What pillars are you pushing down? Because you are only as strong as you are honest. Satan loves to make strong people weak, but God loves to make weak people strong. As the body of Christ, one of the best things that we can do is open up to one another. And you can say, you know what, I need a brother I need a sister to kick me in my tail and keep me accountable to do what I'm supposed to do. If I'm not here, call me and say, where you at? You better get your tail in church. What are you doing? You don't need to be doing that. We need to be accountable. And when I'm down, you can pick me up. And when you're down, I can pick you up. So what pillars are you pushing down? For some, it might be the pillar of pride. You need to say, it's not about me anymore, but God, it's about you. For some, it might be the pillar of entitlement. Well, I deserve this. 
There's some of you working for a boss and you feel like you should be the boss and you don't give them any respect. Can I tell you, if you don't submit to those who are over you, God will never trust you for others to submit to you. You got to get under what he puts over you before you can be over what he wants to put under you. Amen. For some, it might be the pillar of financial irresponsibility and you might have to say, you know what, I'm going to stop buying the stuff that I don't need to impress the people that I really don't even like. And you're going to have to say, you know what, I'm going to be more responsible with my money so that I can be able to give to those who are in need. For some, it might be a pillar of lust. I'm going to be open. And you're going to need to say that. I'm going to be open and transparent. And I'm going to have to have some people pray for me because I am not going to be a prisoner to an image on a computer screen. It may be humbling yourself to your wife or to your husband and saying, I have not been the man or woman of God that I need to be for you. And I'm sorry. But from this day forward, I'm going to be better. I'm going to live my life for God. Or it might be you need to apologize to your kids. And this is one I shared with the men, and I want to go ahead and be transparent with all of you here today. Some of you need to apologize to your kids for being married to your career and not being the father or the mother that you need to be. And that one hurts me because I struggle with that one a lot. And I've had to apologize to Julia, and I've had to apologize to my kids because I, I do marry my job sometimes. It's a work in progress. But some of us need, just need to say, God, I can't do it, but you can. Push the pillars down. Turn away from your sin. Turn toward God. And watch God show you that you may be down, but you're not out. You can do it. You have resurrection power in you. Don't give up. Don't just go be a stronger person. Remember, Satan loves to make strong people weak, but God loves to make weak people strong. Don't just try to improve yourself and just be a better person, but be a person of God. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Say, it's no longer about me, but it's all about you, God. And push the pillars down. Die to yourself to live for him. Now check this out. I promise I'm drawing to a close. What Samson did was right. He died for the cause. How many times did Samson die? One time. Samson gave his life one time. Can I tell you, real men and real women of God give their lives daily. We give our lives daily. Paul said that I die daily. And you know what? I believe in every single one of you here today. I believe in what a fully, totally surrendered vessel can do for the body of Christ. Dwight L. Moody said the world is yet to see what God will do through one person fully surrendered to him. Go be that person. Go be that person. Push down the pillars and completely surrender to God. If you would please stand with me all over. I told you I was drawing it to a close. I don't know what pillars you have that you're facing in your life. But it's time to push them down. I described them earlier, and hopefully you took an inventory, and you've looked within, and you know what pillars are holding you back. It's time to stop being remorseful. It's time to start being in repentance. And say, 
If I keep doing what I've been doing, I'm going to keep getting what I've always got. It's time for me to turn from that side and go to this side. Repentance, I'm turning from that which is lower and turning to that which is higher. Yeah, if the altar team could go ahead and come and be ready, um, just in case. But if you would, bow your heads all over this auditorium while the altar team comes forward. Bow your heads and pray with me. And, and if there's somebody here that you've heard all of this and you said, you know what, I, I keep hearing about this power that I can have through God and through Jesus Christ. And... I don't have a relationship with him or my relationship is not where it needs to be with him. I need to get it right. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, but you want to have a relationship with him, would you raise your hand? If you want to have a relationship with Jesus, boldly raise your hand and say, I'm not where I need to be, but I want to get where I need to be in God. And if there's anybody here that says, you know what, my relationship, I have a relationship with God, but it's not where it needs to be. Would you raise your hand? You say, I want to get stronger. I need to turn from those things that I've been doing that's starting to get me on the wrong track, and I need to get back to God. Because I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that your spirit would work deep today within our hearts. And that you would do something significant, that you... Your spirit would do a healing work. And God, no matter what we've done in our past, we would be who you created us to be. God, I thank you today for all of the people that you're speaking to right now. I pray, God, very specifically for each person here that we would be able to say, here's the pillar, or here are the pillars that we're going to push down. And then, God, I thank you that we don't have to do it with our strength, but, God, it's with your strength. You give us the strength to do it. God, I pray that every person here would be able to name here specifically the pillars. That with the help of God, we're pushing down. And then, God, I pray that we would be different, forever different, because we've been in your presence today. Because your word has been proclaimed and because your spirit is here. We thank you, God, that your presence, that in your presence, God, in your presence, we can't be the same. I pray, God, for life transformation by the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't be stronger in our own strength, but we would be weaker and your strength would be made perfect through us. Thank you, God, for all of the ways you're going to use your people to accomplish your purposes for your glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, if you want to pray with somebody, these altars are open. If you want to pray with somebody, I invite you to come down. We would love to pray for you. The worship team, or Julia, is going to lead us in a song. And as the song sounds, I invite you to come down to the altar. Push down the pillars that are in your life. And get closer to Jesus Christ today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.